I'm Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, and this is the Manufacturing Report. I think the biggest issue in this in this transition is really how fast it's going to happen, which is great, but at the same time very challenging. This past summer, when the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law, it made big waves in the U.S. electric vehicle industry. While the consumer tax credits for electric vehicles are an obvious boon for domestic manufacturing, the bill's incentives for U.S. battery production are equally significant. On the Manufacturing Report today, Zach Shahan, the CEO and chief editor of the online clean technology news and analysis site Clean Technica, shares why the Inflation Reduction Act could start a gold rush for the U.S. battery industry. That's next on the Manufacturing Report. Hey, Zach, welcome to the Manufacturing Report. Thank you for having me. Of course. So at Clean Technica, I know that you spend a lot of time both reporting on and uh, investigating the whole clean energy space that we're in right now, which is obviously massive and top of mind certainly for a lot of policymakers. A little earlier this year, Congress finally came together, passed the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which did a lot of different things from healthcare to clean energy and then some. Uh, But I'm wondering within that, and particularly with respect to tax credits for electric vehicles, how transformative you think that's going to be, not only for you know pulling in some demand from consumers, but also on the production side. I saw that you recently wrote that you thought it might stimulate sort of a gold rush in the supply chain, particularly for batteries. I'm wondering, you know, what do you mean by that? And is there evidence that that rush has now begun? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a big fan of context. So I'm going to put, you know, start off with a, a few uh, high level view uh, uh, topics. So, you know, we I, I've been covering clean tech on Clean Technica since 2008, been running the website since 2010. So we've followed different, you know, hot trends or key trends in the markets as they have changed. So we start off, you know, mostly writing about solar and wind, got into EVs more. And in the past few years, just the story for, the electric vehicle market has been all about the batteries. It's batteries, 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 and particularly the minerals that go into the batteries. And even in the renewable energy world, it's a similar kind of deal where a lot of the story is about the batteries now, the stationary energy storage. Uh, Benchmark Mineral Intelligence actually recently put out a report indicating that they assume in 2050, two-thirds of the lithium uh, market will be for stationary storage. And this is, you know, with an assumption of basically all vehicles shifting to battery electric. So, so even with, you know, an EV centric, uh, transportation market, uh, they're just projecting one third of lithium will go for, for EVs. So it just indicates sort of how big this is as a topic. And, you know, so two big issues I would highlight. One is that it takes a long time to get a mine from concept to producing. Uh, and it's just, it's outside of the kind of the window or the time frame that at least automakers and, and even battery producers are, are sort of, you know, accustomed to working on. So if, you know, if you want to have, you know, 100% or 50% EVs in 2030, you need to be working on that now 
for the mining. So it takes at least, you know, five to seven, some people say nine to 13 years to get, uh, to, to go from start to, to mining, uh, producing lithium. And then, you know, you have similar situation in different types of, you know, uh, minerals, nickel, cobalt, although that's being phased out more and more, um, graphite, different, different components. Um, but so that's one issue. And sort of within that issue, you know, you have automakers, they, they design cars, you know, several years out, but they don't order components for those cars five, seven, eight years out. And they can go to the battery maker and, or the, even the, you know, they increasingly were going straight to the, to the mining companies and say, Hey, we want this much, this much product, uh, in 2025 and this much in 2030. And they're like, oh, great, sure. Um, where's your check? You know, where's the che- where's the check for this? Because the mining companies need the money to actually get started. You know, so and, and you know, automakers and battery producers even just want to you know say, you know, we want this much. Can you please scale up? But it just doesn't work like that. They they need the investment. So there's been this kind of catch twenty two, this kind of difficult situation in the mining industry of, you know, everybody knows the future is going to be electric. But who's ready to put down the money now for a product they need in five to ten to fifteen years? Um, so that's one component of the issue of the kind of big issue that's you know basically every time I, I interview battery mineral experts in the past three years, they're like you know waving their their arms in the air and you know throwing out <laughs> yellow, red, orange flags and be like, sure. you know, pay attention yeah. to this. This is really important, you know. And it's like I know I'm trying to get the word out, you know, <laughs> but it's like you know it's not the most exciting part of the industry it's not tesla it's not uh you know whatever the hottest new trend is on ai or something um but then so the this other kind of issue with that on that topic is that china has the kind of you know china has the the long-term kind of you know political security within it you know the leadership ranks uh which you know we don't need to get into all that today but they have the ability to say yeah we're going to need this much of this and 15 years let's start investing in it and they're able to do that you know we just can't do that so easily in western more democratic uh, places but it it helps them a lot to you know to basically be early leaders in these in these industries even several years ago when it was less of a consensus that this was the future so right now from like 59 percent of lithium being either mined or processed at least in china to 100 percent of synthetic graphite being processed there you have it's you have this range of you know like 60 to 100 percent of dominance um of like every ev battery mineral is going through china so so you have this it's it's more concentrated than opec with oil yeah so you have a real risk and right now it might seem like it's fine that's where we're getting it that's where we need it uh, you know, it, U.S. was six. Per, it's at six percent of new vehicles are electric. Now it was not long ago; it was two percent. Um, Europe is is now uh, like twenty to thirty percent, depending on, and so it's getting a lot more serious. But even still, it's not at the stage where China's willing or ready to say, uh, you know, sort of twist the lever or twist your arm and say, "Oh, we don't really like what you're doing on this topic." Well, we're gonna we're not going to export nickel or lithium to you for a while. So, but, but clearly once you get to like 50% market share or, or whatever, you know, much higher market share, 
you have a severe risk of just even if it was your best friend, even if it was like mm-hmm. your fa- your favorite neighbor, um, you don't want that much control in one one country's hands. So the Inflation Reduction Act, long way to get getting to your question, <laughs> but I think it was important to set the stage. Yeah, that, that is super helpful context, I think, as as we head into it about what the what's the problem we're trying to solve and what's the playing field that we're playing on right now, Zach. Exactly. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. I mean, it's critical to to understand the importance of of the Inflation Reduction Act, but I mean, I would say there was a lot of a bit of hope, a lot of concern uh, about how we would deal with those challenges. And the Inflation Reduction Act is just phenomenal. It's really, it is, I think, more than a lot of people expected was possible, for sure. And it does a tremendous job of trying to reorient this this really critical, fast-growing market uh, more into the U.S. And, and even the West in general, but but especially the, you know, trying to create a market. So if you I talked about, you know, 59 to 100 percent of, of dominance from China. The U.S. on these minerals is like at one percent, zero percent, one percent. We have like no nothing in these industries. Um, so we're really in a we've been in a bad spot. And so you've got the consumer side. I'll just mention that briefly. There's the consumer tax credit for EVs. And one part of that is in 2024, you're not going to be eligible for the tax credit as it's written right now. If any component of your battery comes from an entity of uh, a foreign entity of concern, which includes China and Russia, so if you're getting any minerals from China or Russia, or some other places, in your battery, theoretically, as as we understand it, uh, you wouldn't be able to get a tax credit for that EV. So as you can understand from what I just presented, that it's like what's going to be eligible. So so there's going to be so there's definitely a, a focus, a hardcore focus that you know. Uh, the industries have to move quickly to to solve that problem and to make sure that you have uh, all the components of a battery coming from outside of uh, China and and Russia and other places like that. And that's just the consumer tax credit. But if you but there's a whole nother component, which is what led to the article that I, that I wrote, and that was you know sort of nudged on by people in the industry who were like. People are missing the story, you know, like, like like this is a big story that's sort of being missed because people are focusing on the consumer tax credit. And that's the production tax credit for different components of the EV battery um, supply chain, basically. So you have these manufacturer credits um, where you're actually, you're going to get, uh, companies can get a, a, a tax credit for, for different components of the, of the, pro- of the battery manufacturing process. So you can get a tax credit for mining the minerals. You can get another tax credit for processing the minerals. You can get another tax credit for producing the cells, battery cells, and you can get another tax credit for putting together the battery packs. So you have these all these different options and possibilities for for lowering the cost through through US subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act. And yeah, that's where the kind of, uh, <laughs> they were, I, yeah, the, the the idea, there was debate on whether to use the phrase gold rush because um, <laughs> some some people were concerned that it's um, got some negative connotations. But I just think it's the it's you know from our yeah. elementary school history classes, you know, we we are, understand the concept of the gold rush very well. It's got clear you know uh, explanation and. 
And in this case, I feel like that is sort of what happened. As soon as the, the even before, well, as soon as the Inflation Reduction Act passed, you had announcements like immediately from companies that were, you know, ready to say, okay, we're we're gonna explore mining here or processing or battery cell or, or pack production. Um, and just, you know, one after another, we've seen different announcements uh, about companies coming into the U.S. market. So it's clearly working even early on in, a, in an industry that doesn't move fast. It's clearly working to stimulate a move to the U.S. Some companies have shifted plans from, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that they're not planning to do other projects or, or production elsewhere, but they've prioritized doing the US, moving to the U.S. first or starting production in the U.S. first and then elsewhere. Um, so it's definitely, it's, I mean, under the Recovery Act, you know, there was a lot of stimulus for for green mm-hmm. manufacturing, but I don't think there's been anything really like what this is offering and what this is pr- providing and the amount of potential, you know, green collar jobs, um, blue slash green collar jobs in the U.S. that are sort of being stimulated by this is it's the, you know, it's the best solution I've seen to sort of the all the concerns people have had about NAFTA and outsourcing and, and corporations um, outsourcing, you know, their supply chains. So the best thing I've seen in, in response or antidote to that um, as far as I've been following uh, yeah. po- politics. So I think it's just, I think it's really under acknowledged and underrepresented how big of a deal it is and how much it could, it can stimulate a really big battery mining processing and production industry in the U S Zach, thank you for sharing that. And I would tend to agree with your analysis. One follow-up question is because you you presented the the very real challenges because of the the lead times that are involved with this and just how, you know, the paucity of existing mining and supply chain development in the United States for some of this. Well, here is where I will just interject and say, I think the gold rush is probably a perfect analog because there was a massive uh, scale up of mining and industry around all of that. And so are you seeing the initial signs that we will measurably be able to both you know, reduce import penetration, increase our own uh, domestic supply as fast as we need to, based on the the automakers' plans. Just as yeah. an example, uh, Mary Barrow said that GM should be fully compliant with the stuff within, I think, three years. And so that, wow, that that is rapid. Is that is this uh, is this pie of the sky, or is there, are, are you seeing real things on the ground that would lead you to believe that this is possible? It's a good question because. I mean, I, I recently did a presentation on the the EV market, and if you t- focus on any specific automaker, they have some degree of involvement in batteries now. Uh, a lot of them are involved in battery cell and pack production. Uh, some of them are starting to get involved more in in uh, sourcing the minerals more closely, and even potentially mining. Tesla, of, of course, is the is the biggest uh, company to focus on for this, and they are. They're not, you know, looking to completely vertically integrate. Like, you know, they're still looking to buy basically as much battery, battery and battery components as they can from others. But they are definitely looking to fully be fully integrated in terms of doing some mining, some processing. They, they've got a, a, a processing facility in Texas that they're pursuing, you know, for permits for and stuff uh, for lithium processing, uh, and then battery cell and pack production for sure. 
Um, and I would say all of the companies sort of have hand in battery cell and pack production. It's just sort of the question is that the harder one about mining and processing, it's this time frame commitment that that's sort of the challenge because automakers and battery producers, they don't have the money to invest seven years out in in the product that they're going to need for the EV market. So they they go to their suppliers and they say, we definitely want this much in 2025 and 2030. And the suppliers are, you know, great. That's excellent. But we need the money to to start working on these projects. And you have this problem of it's just there's still a question mark of how much the industry can can move faster, basically. And while this stimulates the market, there's it's still a very nascent, underdeveloped uh, market that that needs time to grow and needs needs money and needs an enormous amount of investment to grow. And so you have this challenge for sure is that is not just solved immediately by by stimulating the market and and offering the the incentives. Um, so this is definitely a big question mark and a big challenge. And I, I think there's a lot of people working on it. It's just a question of like how how fast it can it can be resolved. And in the case of automakers, you know, being involved in it. You do see more and more vertical integration. Most automakers are just involved in the cell and pack production. Some are starting to get involved more in the mining and refining. Tesla is the most you know famous and notable example in this industry. They, they've been pushing the industry forward for years, and you know they're not like keen to get very vertically integrated on mining and all that. But they've expressed a willingness and sort of a sense of well, it seems like we need to. So they're getting involved in some mining and some processing. They have a, a lithium processing factory plant in Texas that they're pursuing permits for. Um, and I think you'll just see a bit more of this as the market grows. But I think the biggest issue in this in this transition is really how fast it's going to happen, which is great, but at the same time, very challenging. So, you know, automakers might say we want to sell, you know, 50% of our, we want 50% EV sales in 2030 or, or 100% in 2035. But we, I've been covering the industry's sort of just bleeding sales for the past few years. Like even, you know, aside from all the different crises going on with supply chain, with COVID, with the war in Ukraine, the auto market has been shrinking. And that was even leading into that. So I think what we're going to see is that as more and more people realize, hey, the future is electric, I want, a, I want an EV for my next vehicle if the wait time is one to one or one and a half years for the EV they want, they're going to put off buying a car. They're not going to buy a gas car that they think will have no or or very limited value in five years. Um, they're not going to make that, that, that expenditure. So I think what we're going to see, especially as we get toward the end of the decade, is that we are going to have a supply crunch because not enough money was probably invested in, in the minerals, uh, in the mineral mining and refining processes and at the same time the consumers even if they're not 100% ready to buy an EV they're expecting to buy an EV so they don't want to buy a gas car so I think what you see you don't just see a natural like transition from one technology to another you have a kind of dip period I forget what it's called but you have a kind of a rising rising interest in the new technology and then a dip in the overall market as the new technology production capacity isn't there but the demand isn't there for the old technology so i think uh the the ira is sort of the best thing we've got to try to help um help speed up the supply side 
but it's just the transition is so big and, and probably going to happen so fast that it's going to be a challenge no matter what. And there's going to be, there's going to be issues no matter what with getting the, all of these markets up to speed. And in the, in the U S the, you know, like you said, the, there's very little on in place for mining and, and refining. So it's not as simple like, Oh, everyone just come in and open some Domino's pizza shops. It's, you know, it's a really, the industry has to learn how to, you know, what to do here globally, like maybe half of, of mining projects end up being realized that, that are sort of expected. So it's just also a case of it's a hard market. I'll get into other topics of, you know, nimbyism and that kind of thing, but I'll go back to you to see where you want to go from here. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of different directions we could, we, we could take it Zach, because there are, I, I mean, it's a massively in-depth conversation. I think one of the follow-up questions I had based on your initial analysis of this is, well, I had two questions. A, the Inflation Reduction Act, I agree, it's it's one of the most innovative pieces of policy I think that we have seen. Do you think that in the absence of the Inflation Reduction Act, do you think any of this scale up across the entire supply chain and in the mineral and mining capacity and then processing would be possible without the federal government uh, providing some offsets to the cost of scale up and capitalization here. Yeah, I mean, I think that the stick and the carrot uh, carrots in this are really critical. I don't I don't think it would happen without this. Um, it's just not the there's not the the incentive, there's not the requirement and it's it's just easier for companies to get their batteries from to look short term and get their their batteries and their minerals from elsewhere, mostly China. So I do think it's critical legislation. I think this is a pretty behind the scenes bipartisan move. I while you know the Republic, Republicans never would have voted for for it. Uh, I don't think they want to be taking this away. I think there's a lot of people in these industries that are actually on the the red side of the the spectrum and yeah. are putting pressure on them. And a lot of the the mining and and refining, all, a lot of the the growth would probably be in red states and they sure. they want it. So right. I don't think I don't think there's a lot of risk in it. They might change some things to, you know, but um probably they'll focus on other matters. Plus as we've seen when Republicans have had any control, even full control uh of of the US government, I mean they they don't really do much aside from cut taxes on the super wealthy. So it's not um it's not like they they passed much legislation. They were they talked for years about repealing uh Obamacare, and then they got into power to, and they couldn't do it because they, right. they knew it wasn't popular. So I think, I don't think there's much risk of it going away. I think it's there. Um, I don't know about, you know, small policy changes. You know, there's always ways to poison uh, transitions. Um, and uh, I'm sure some people would, would look to that, but it's really, it's such a, you know, it's, it's mining, it's refining. It's, yeah. and I don't think there's the risk um, there, the much bigger uh, risks are with you know whether we can really get it off the ground in, in mm -hmm. a lot of places and, and you know how long that will take. Yeah, based on what you know, and, and in part because as I look certainly as this at the system that's been built up in China by the kind of the national champion companies there with the strong assistance and subsidization of the CCP and, and the government, and there's a lot of vertical integration too. 
the Inflation Reduction Act, from a U.S. perspective, you're right, it's historical. You know, is it enough, <laughs> really, yeah, to, that's good... <laughs> to, to to get us where where we need to go, or should we just think about this as a first step of several we're going to have to take along the way? I'll be honest, that's a really good question that I hadn't really thought much about. <laughs> you know, I'm so focused on, you know, uh, just what it does and the benefit of it. I haven't really thought, is it really enough? Because as you know, presented earlier, the dominance, the kind of monopoly um, is really strong. So, you know, how much can this chip into that? I think, I think the biggest component that, that really it, it was like, wow, are you kidding me? And is this really going to be in there is the, the one that requires the, to get the EV tax credit, a, cons- a consumer for the consumers, the batteries can't include any components of any any critical mi- minerals, which is like I looked it up. It was like fifty different things. It was like everything, right, right, um, from yeah. from a foreign entity of concern. So as long as that stays there, I think I think it'll do a lot. And then the the incentives, the the financial incentives to to build production capacity in the U.S., which is ba- only the U.S. Like in the, in the other case, you know, you can get have batteries that have components from Canada, Europe, Australia, wherever, South America. But in um in the case of the production tax credits, those are only for US projects. So I think the combination just will help a great deal. The really the hard the biggest thing is really how much is possible. And then the NIMBYism issue, because mining is not you don't want to mine next to your house. Nobody does. I mean, it doesn't it's you know, there's plenty of studies that show how much cleaner electric vehicles are in net than gas cars, diesel cars. Uh, there's no question that it's a it's a critical path. It's like one of the critical elements of decarbonizing and reaching our climate targets. But at the same time, mines are mines, and production facilities, refineries are are those are are what they are. And nobody really wants one next door. And there are more regulations in the U.S. than in China that companies will have to work through. There's definitely a need for more steps. There's definitely a need for more. Uh, like under Obama, they had streamlined permitting for solar and wind projects in certain cases where they didn't have to spend so long going through permitting processes and, and regulations. Um, and I think that's definitely going to be needed in the mining and production and uh, refining industry for these as well. Um, and I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is really it's it's a it's a big first step It's a critical first step. It's really huge. It's, it's It lays the foundation but then people, policymakers, need to keep working at at um, at making it possible for the for the industry to grow. And I mean, it's really hard. I mean, I don't. I I mean, you think about it. You you don't like as you know. Nobody really wants the the challenges that come with mass scale mining. Uh, but we also know that you know ninety percent of the population is not going to switch to Viking and. And, you know, we're going to have cars. So it's like, we need the, we need the, we need it, but nobody wants it in their, in their neighborhood. So we'll see what was possible there. You know, uh, there's also the issue of resources. So, you know, the companies explore where they can get these resources, but even then it's not guaranteed they will get what they are looking for. There's all kinds of, you know, problems scaling up that can kill an operation. So, you know, we need to see what happens. I would just say, there was like almost no hope for years <laughs> and then the IRA passed and there's tremendous amount of hope in the industry. So yeah. that's a good starting point. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the the automotive sector has embraced this full on, which, which yeah. is important rather than being kind of like uh, d- dragged along there, helping to uh, hold hands and uh, pull along. Uh, in a lot of ways, which makes a huge difference. Yeah. And there are some laggards, of course, um, yeah. but like yeah. we hosted a conference in, in Europe um, five or six years ago. And I was talking to a, a company that does like very early design work for automakers where they help them, you know, design concept vehicles. And they said no automaker was was coming to them for a non-electric uh concept anymore like there's just no in- they the industry has known mostly for a while that the future is electric and you know they spend years developing platforms and and power powertrains and um you know plans for for how they're going to transition and i think that's you know especially in the u.s that's very very established i mean they, they all know it so so they want to be able to they know that if they're going to succeed in the market they have to do well with evs and so I think they're all quite keen on on how they do that. The one kind of criticism I've seen is that not many have like geology teams. Like, not many even have mm-hmm. one geologist, mm. um, and they need like teams of geologists to kind of understand that market and and make sure they have the supply chain for it. Interesting. But, but yeah. that's sort of like you know you hear things and you're like, is that true? Is that just like a, is that hyperbole? But it's. Um, but I, I would say every quarter you see more involvement deeper into this space and mm-hmm. from GM, from Ford, from from these different companies. So I think there's really good movement within the, the auto industry. Encouraging. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Zach, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us on the manufacturing report today. Thank you. It was really a pleasure and really excited about what you guys do here. And that will do it for the Manufacturing Report this week. You can read Clean Technica at cleantechnica.com, and you can find their podcast, Clean Tech Talk, wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, I want to thank AAM staff and Kat Adams in particular for their great work to make this episode possible. And I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for engaging with us and for giving us some great episode ideas. Please be sure to subscribe to The Manufacturing Report wherever you find your podcasts. And also, let us know what you think by leaving a review and a rating. You can find us online at AmericanManufacturing.org. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or you can connect with us on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. I'm Scott Paul, and until next time, together we can keep it made in America.